Today we're going to turn our attention to something a little bit different. Today we're going to talk about divine adoption. We're going to talk about uh, us being neighbors to a very specific set of people in our community, uh, namely foster families and foster kids. Uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, the National Orphan Awareness Weekend will take place in evangelical churches around the, the country, and, and so we were going to preach this message next week in lieu of the week after, but I moved it to this week uh, because it just fits with neighboring. We're, we're going to be neighbors uh, to everybody, uh, but today we're going to talk about how we can be neighbors uh, to kids who need the love of God. Uh, we inserted a little prayer guide in your bulletins. If you want to look there, you can just kind of see that there's just uh, already off the bat, you got some opportunities that you can use this next week to be praying uh, in lieu of uh, uh, this adoption sermon, this uh, foster care awareness that we're trying to bring up. And uh, we're going to talk about adoption today. Adoption is choosing to take someone who is not originally yours into your home and love them like they are yours. It's an idea whose origin precedes time. Uh, it was created in the mind of God as an expression of his love and mercy. And I'm going to get to that as we talk about divine adoption today. All of us, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, sit in this room because God predestined before the foundations of the world to adopt us as sons and daughters. That's what the scriptures teach us. Uh, but many of us are sitting in this room uh, having been literally adopted or having uh, come from foster homes. Uh, maybe some of you are sitting here and you are adopters. You have taken someone into your home or fostered in some more, uh, way. Um, I esteem you if that's who you are. Uh, I, uh, I cherish those who have been adopted and those who have adopted because I am married to one who was adopted. Uh, at three months, my wife was in the foster care system in Ohio, and her parents traveled from Indianapolis to pick her up. She was failure to thrive. No one else would take her. Uh, her mom, who, the woman who became her mom, Eleanor May, uh, she was a nurse, and that's how my wife got to that home. Uh, they raised her to know and follow Jesus Christ. They sent her to the same school as me. I'm grateful for that. And uh, now uh, I'm doing life with someone who has been on the receiving end of adoption. Uh, specifically this morning, we're going to talk about divine adoption, but then uh, take our application into this area of fostering. There's a, a community of foster families within our church. You might be sitting in the same row as some of them. Uh, we would love to see that community grow. Uh, we feel like it is one of the greatest ways for us to express God's love uh, in, in doing a, a fostering situation. Not everybody's going to be called to it. Not everybody's going to be uh, able to do it. But all of us can be a part of making a difference in the lives of kids who need love and God's love specifically. So, three aims today. As we talk about divine adoption, uh, my first aim is that all of us would consider embrace and, and embrace the wonder of our adoption into God's family through Jesus Christ. The second is this that all of us would support the ministry of fostering, specifically this ministry of fostering, through the various opportunities that we have available today uh, for us when we are done. And then finally, that many of us would consider fostering or adopting a child into our family as an overflow of the inheritance that we have in Christ from God, our Father. We need to understand and enjoy our own adoption before we can properly understand this whole mission of fostering and adopting beyond that. So uh, let's talk about divine Adoption. What should we know and appreciate about divine adoption? Three things this morning. The first one's this. Divine adoption was God's idea before time. Divine adoption was in God's mind before he created the world. How do I know that? I read the Bible. You read this verse with me, or these verses with me, about a month ago as we started a, the Woo Hoo series. Uh, let's read them again. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everybody grateful that God has blessed us with all those things? Good. Even as he chose us, I spoke on that, we're chosen. Even as he chose us in himself before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. If you are sitting here this morning as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are sitting here holy and blameless before God. You are not holy and blameless in, in, in maybe your actions day to day. Wouldn't that be great if we could just nail that perfectly? But when God looks at you, he doesn't see you and your sin, your past sins, your current sins, your future sins. He sees Christ in you, and he sees you as holy and blameless. It goes on, it says, in love, he predestined us for adoption, there it is, to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So if you go back to verse four, just so we can cover this again. He chose us in himself before the foundation of the world, before anything was created. In love, he predestined us, verse five, for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. That means that before the world was made, God knew that adoption, our adoption, spiritually so speaking, would be necessary. Some of you are all, you might be in the debates, did God know that man was gonna sin? Yeah, he did, he, he, he is all knowing. No surprises with an omniscient God, all right? So he knew, and some have even argued that he uh, uh, allowed or predetermined sin because it would magnify his glory through things like grace and mercy and forgiveness that would never exist apart from the failures of man and their sin. Knowing that sin would come into the world then, God, before he even you know, threw brick one into the earth and the rest of creation, had already determined that adoption would be made available to these that he would create in his image. He foresaw uh, the way that he would provide adoption through his son. And we are his children because he did this. I love people who can kind of see into the future the things that might be necessary and provide them. Went last week to the men's retreat. We had a great time down in, in the Keys. And, uh, and on one of the nights, uh, uh, Chip brings all these great steaks that we get to eat. And, uh, and, but there's this one thing. There's no, like, cutlery at this dive resort that we stay at. So you're supposed to bring your own knife. And uh, I've been twice now. How many times do you think I brought my own knife? Anybody want to guess how many times I brought my own knife? Zero. Yeah, I am 0 for 2 when it comes to knife bringing. Uh, but I'm grateful that every year Scott Rank, our men's uh, director, uh, has come up to me and, and anticipated the fact that I might not have remembered the knife. And he just hands me a steak knife. And he's like, here you go, bro. I'm, I'm betting you don't have one of these. And I was like, hey, man, thanks so much. I love people like that. I go on mission trips uh, with Tom Eichem, our executive pastor, from time to time. And he has this magic backpack that has just all this stuff in it that I forget, and, and I will, I'll be like, oh man, I got a super headache, do you have any? And he'll just be like, he'll be like Radar O'Reilly, MASH, anybody remember that? He'll just be reaching into a zip pocket, and he'll be like, here you go. And, uh, and I love people like that, and I love the fact that our God sees our future, knew before the foundations of the world that sin would separate us from him, and he pre-intends our adoption as sons and daughters. Adoption is God's idea, and it, exists, uh, it has existed since before creation. It's the main means by which he glorifies himself in our salvation. Know that and appreciate that. Secondly, divine adoption was costly. Divine adoption cost 
a great deal, crossed everything for our Savior Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 4. Paul goes on in the writing in this book, and he says, but when the fullness of time had come, and it was just right, God sent forth his son, uh, born of a woman, that's Christmas, born under the law, born in the Jewish law. We're going to get to that in a second. To redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive, and there it is again, adoptions as sons and daughters. Before we could be adopted as children, there had to be this legal satisfaction, these legal requirements under the Jewish law, as we see Paul writing here in Galatians, uh, they, they needed to be satisfied before our adoption could take place. It's just like an in, in earthly adoption. You can't just go willy-nilly into the mall and take kids. That's called kidnapping. Everybody gets that, right? You know, I'd love to have another child. How about you? You can't do that. If you want to, does everybody agree? If you want to adopt somebody, many of us have, there is a process involved. Sometimes you adopt children uh, from other lands, and you have to go to those lands and meet all their requirements. Sometimes you adopt children here in the U.S., and, and there's certainly many legal uh, procedures that have to be um, you know, exacted and, and, and the requirements fulfilled so that you can become adoptive parents. It's the same thing with our God. Uh, he set out this law, and he established uh, that righteousness could be achieved through the law, even though he knew along, all along people would never be completely law abiders. Uh, but he said, listen, if you break the law, if you offend me and my laws, there's a penalty. There's a cost that comes to that. There's a legal requirement for the, for the forsaking of my law. Paul summarizes it in Romans. He says, for the wages of sin is death. Yeah, someone's got to die. If there's sin in your life, the legal requirement for your being free of that sin is death. So our adoption required a death. That's why it, it says here that uh, Jesus, go back for me, Jesus uh, was sent to redeem those who are under the law. Jesus is our redeemer. Has anybody sung that before, thought that before? When I think redeeming, though, here's what I think. I think coupons. Who thinks coupons? <laughs> like I go to the store and I hand somebody a piece of paper and, you know, whatever the uh, product was that that paper's got, you know, its name on, it, it, the price comes down. Sometimes you get these buy one, get ones, right? Like you get something for free. I, I, when I think of re redemption, I think free. I, I think of growing up in the Northeast where you could take cans to this place called the Redemption Center in, in the middle of our town, and you can actually turn in cans and get a nickel for each one. I mean, that was like money laying on the ground when we were kids, right? And I just walk around my neighborhood with a garbage bag, especially going to the houses where people party a lot because they just leave their empties out back. And I would just, man, I would just rake, right? And uh, so, so when I think of redemption, when I think of re redeeming something, I think about receiving. And certainly, receiving is part of the redemption process. There's, there's someone who is the redeemer, and there, there are those who benefit the redeemer from the redeemer, and they're the redeemed. The redeemed receive. The redeemer pays. Take it to the coupons. Nothing's free. Everybody gets that, right? Nothing's free. If, if you've got a break on a product, that company said, you know what, we're going to move our margins right now. We're going to give this discount in the hope that you'll get sucked in and, and, and addicted to our product so much so that you'll buy it when it's regular price. That's why they give coupons. They just want to draw you in. Like our soap. Keep buying it. Here's a coupon to get you started. But just so you know, that company loses that money from its margins when it issues that coupon. It's not just kind of like, well, we just made it up. No, it's a calculated um, 
plan to win customers. Same thing with the cans. I never thought of this, but when I was thinking about this the other day, uh, when I was growing up, uh, soda cans, or soda cans, soda, you bought more than just the can, but soda was 50 cents. If you, if you put two quarters in a, a soda machine back then, uh, some of you youngers would be like, no way, totally, right? <laughs> if you put two quarters in a soda machine, you would get a can of soda. Who remembers those days? You gotta be a certain age, okay. Some of you remember when it was like a dime, and we won't talk to you guys, okay. <laughs> But I just, I just remembered this. It was, it was brought to my attention that if you were going to buy soda in Maine, guess how much soda costs from the, the machine in Maine? 55 cents. Let's do some math on that. If you get five cents for your can, who's paying the five cents? You are. <laughs> and so if you bring your can back, you're not getting five cents. You're getting back your five cents. The government's good at doing that, aren't they? Making it feel like you got something, but you really paid for it. Yeah. But everything, my point is, is that everything that, that seems like it's this free thing from redemption, it, it has a cost to it. And certainly our redemption came at a heavy price. Our Savior went to the cross and he died so that you and I might be redeemed. I know that because earlier in the book of Galatians, Paul writes this. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Then he quotes the Old Testament. He says, it is written, cursed is every, anyone or everyone who is hanged on a tree. He became, he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that for our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our adoption was only achieved by the righteous payment that Jesus paid on the cross for us. So adoption is costly. And we as the redeemed should remember that, know that, appreciate that, live our lives as a thank you to the one who paid the price for us. Finally, divine adoption is primarily about God's glory. Adoption, our spiritual divine adoption, it, it's, it's about us, certainly. God loves us, and he wants to include us in eternity with him, and, and he wants to see us freed from our sins and saved from uh, the penalty that they bring. But, but primarily, the scriptures speak of anything that God does on behalf of the human race in terms of him bringing glory to himself. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1, if you're in your Bibles, and we'll just finish what I started reading a little while ago. We read this part. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Why, why, did, why did God adopt us? Why did he make us sons and daughters? Well, it was all in line with his will, according to his will. But what was the end game? It was to the praise of his glorious grace. God wanted to make much of himself, much of his ability to save and to redeem and to forgive. And he wants us, when we come to our redemption, to have that, that as our first thought. I need to praise God and give him glory. That my salvation isn't just about me getting a free ticket out of hell, uh, which wasn't free, Jesus paid for it, but get my ticket out of hell and, and being secured into an eternity in heaven. My salvation is first and foremost about God being a good and gracious and loving God and saving me when I deserved it not. 
Some people have talked to me about this whole God bringing glory to himself thing and thought, man, that seems kind of shine the light on me, right? That seems like he's kind of just interested in making himself look good. John Piper addresses this as he was talking about these same verses in one of his sermons. He's a great uh, teacher and author and pastor from Minnesota. He says, God's actions in adopting us, I'm quoting him, is radically God-centered and God-exalting. Uh, he knows that many hear this and, and they think it's not loving, but uh, they ask this question, how can God's seeking to exalt himself be a loving act? And the answer is this, follow me. The glory of God is what we were made to see and enjoy for all eternity. Now, go back to our, our creation. You and I were created, right, in the image of God, but for what purpose? To enjoy life and, and, and be all about ourselves? Was that our purpose in God's creating us? No, we were created by God for God. We were created in his image so that we might bear his image and bring glory to him. In fact, if, if we're, uh, you know, engines, our fuel is the glory of our God. We run on it. It's our purpose. It's the core of our existence. The glory of God is what we were made to see and enjoy for all eternity. Nothing else will satisfy our souls, Piper says. Therefore, if God does not exalt himself for us to admire and enjoy, he would be an unloving God. That is, he would not give us what we need. And that's so important. That when we think of adoption, when we think of basically anything in the Christian life, our first stop is the glory of God, and then whatever it is that we're doing for him and with him. So in your marriages, when you love your husbands or your wives, men or women, however that works, your first stop in loving that person is to glorify God, to make much of him as you serve him and honor him in your relationship. And your second stop is loving and honoring that person. If you leave the glory of God out of it and just go straight to loving that person, a couple dangers there. You might make that person your idol. Okay? And you're going to tire. Because here's what's going to happen. That person's not going to be lovely all the time. And your, your love tank is going to empty and you're going to feel like, you know what, I can't love them because they're not loving me back or whatever. But if you maintain the mentality, oh, I, I can totally love them because even as I love them without them loving me back, I bring glory to who? My God. And I honor him in the ways that he created me to honor him. God blesses that. God uh, esteems that. God created us for that. Our divine adoption is primarily about God's glory. So, as we move this morning to talking about how this kind of works out in our world today. I wanted to start with divine adoption before we talked about human adoption. Or I want to start with divine adoption before we start talking about foster care. But let's answer these quest this question as we close this morning. Now, what does all this have to do, divine adoption, with modern foster care? Let me make some parallels. First of all, fostering a child is certainly a reflection of divine adoption. Matter of fact, throughout history, as adoption and as, as, as bringing someone uh, that was not originally yours into your fold, into your family, and loving them like they are yours, just as God has done with us in a spiritual divine sense, that that's been done since the beginning of humanity. And it actually pops up in very crucial points in the story of our scriptures. Like if I had to have you like give me the uh, Mount Rushmore of the Old Testament, who, who would be some of the people you'd have on there? Maybe Abraham, right? 
But, but, but probably one of them, in Exodus, we meet this guy named Moses, right? Moses is a, is a player. He pops up all over the place, not just the Old Testament, the New Testament. So maybe remember Moses' story? Moses is born into a, a nation, Egypt, uh, that is paranoid about the, the Jews, the, the Israelites, who are their slave uh, workforce, uh, becoming too populous, too many of them. And so they, the Pharaoh actually uh, passed a bill in, in their version of, well, there was no bills back then, it was just the Pharaoh. But he says, you know what, we're going to cull the herd, crass terms, but we're basically going to wipe out uh, a generation of Israeli children, men, so that we can keep control of this populace and they don't overthrow us. And so Moses was born into a period of history where male children of the Israeli race were, were taken from their families and slaughtered. And if you know the story of Moses, uh, Moses' mom wasn't having it. And so she hid her child in a basket amongst the bulrushes down on the, uh, the, the, the Nile River and uh, did it as long as she could and for as much as she could, hoping to spare her son. Uh, the basket floats, I don't know how it worked, but the basket ends up somewhere near one of the Pharaoh's daughters as she's bathing in the Nile. And the servants of the Pharaoh's daughter find Moses and they take her to her. And, and what happens next? Foster care. Because this woman, this princess, discovers this Israeli baby and takes her into herself and raises her as her own. Raises him, excuse me, as her own. It's pretty cool, too, that on, on the flip side of that, she needs a wet nurse and she needs a nanny, and who gets to be that? Moses' mom. God's kind of cool working that stuff out. But don't miss that. In the story of one of the greatest characters in the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, it's adoption, it's foster care. You move forward in the Old Testament, and you got Esther. Who's heard of Esther? Yeah, she's in there. Uh, anybody know who raised Esther? Uncle Mordecai, Uncle Morty, right? Uh, Uncle Morty took her in and raised her as his own. And then you get to the New Testament, and come on, you can't miss this. A child is born. The Son of God comes to earth uh, to a virgin. Her name's Mary. She's betrothed to this guy, Joe, who had every right in the world to walk away from her and him. But what does Joe do? He adopts him. Jesus was adopted, and Joe makes him his own. Now, throughout the story, not just our own divine spiritual adoption, but throughout the actual stories of our scripture, we see adoption, and God esteems it, and he honors it. And foster care, in this modern sense of the understanding of it, is a reflection of that same kind of mercy and love for those uh, who are without home. Now, that said, fostering, as we get to talk about maybe you being a part of it in some way, uh, fostering is often a costly thing. Just like divine adoption costs our Savior his life, sometimes fostering costs a great deal. Uh, if you've ever gotten involved in a situation where uh, perhaps you've adopted or perhaps you've you know, fostered or, or you've been a, a member of a family of, of others who have done that, you, you know, I mean, let's just say this, having kids is scary. Can we just say that, whether they're fostered, adopted, or your own, right? Parenting, who's with me? Anybody on that? Yeah. But when you bring others into your home, uh, especially if they've you know, had kind of a run at life and, and uh, had experiences and things that have shaped them, they've come from difficult and uh, crisis-oriented uh, you know, environments, uh, you just don't know what you're going to get. And you have to count the cost. Jesus teaches that in his parables. He says, hey, man, if you're going to build a tower, make sure you got the bricks. If you're going to go to war, make sure you can win. 
Count the cost. But I tell you this, everything that God has called us to that has a cost tied to it has an incredible reward, an incredible um, uh, sense of fulfillment that comes at the end of the cost. Who's ever worked hard at, you know, all day and then stopped at the end and you can barely move because you're so sore, but you look at what you've done and you've been like, okay, that was worth it. Anybody been there? I think that's what God did at the end of every day of creation. How does every, end of, every day of creation end? God looked at it and said, hmm, that's good. Like what we did there. Uh, I thought, you know, I, I could talk to you about fostering a child and how much the, the cost and the benefits are, but I, uh, I, I've, I've only had some experiences in that. Uh, I thought we'd bring someone up who's doing it right now uh, and has been doing it for a while. So uh, would you please welcome to our stage one of my, uh, I don't have favorites, but I love them a lot, uh, Frank and Rachel Montoya. Would you help them or welcome them to our stage? Hi, guys. Hi. How's it going? Good. It's great to see you. Frank, Rachel. Okay, here we go. Uh, you guys have been foster parents for how long? Going on three and a half years. Three and a half years. And how many kids have you fostered in that time? We've had about 13 placements. Okay. Uh, along with um, just helping other foster parents with yeah. respite care and taking care of okay. other. Uh, why don't you tell me, wh wh why, wh what made you become foster parents? Why'd you, why'd you jump in? So initially, when Rachel and I first got married, we decided that we were going to have a fairly small family. So we had two children. Uh, after, you know, being in, married for about 10 years, uh, we decided that, or we felt like we had a lot more love inside of us to give. And so we decided to extend our family uh, through, so we started trying. Time went by, it didn't happen for us uh, through other means and for all these kinds of reasons that it just never happened for us. Uh, we just decided to say, hey, okay, Lord, there's this love that we have inside of us. What do you want us to do with it? Mm -hmm. So we just kind of prayed, hey, would you either just dis extinguish that or just uh, fuel it? And he fueled it. So um, everywhere we started going, we started hearing about adoption or foster care, different things of that nature. And so we decided that foster care was where we were probably going to you know, land. And we're so glad we did. I'm glad you did, too. So I'm talking about fostering costing us. In your experiences as foster parents, what, what are the costs that come from fostering? I think bottom line, when we decided to foster, um, our comfort was really where it costed us. Mm. Uh, the reason I say comfort is because at the time when we started, decided to and we started getting um, certified, Andrew was in college and, and Renee, our youngest, was almost in high school. So we had one foot to freedom, uh, clean house. <laughs> and what's crazy is when we were telling people we were going we were gonna foster, not only were we going to foster, but we were going to decide to foster little kids, little ones. And so we were going to become, you know, the diaper carrying family again. Um, so we started carrying diapers. And along with that, you have all these people, all these intrusions in your life, mm -hmm. uh, case managers, parents, you know, court systems, drivers. And so our schedules are really based on their schedules. And it's almost always a last minute thing. Mm -hmm. So our comfort is, is really taking a hit along with uh, a few date nights, which I really miss. So we take advantage of what we can. Good. But, uh, okay, but you keep doing it, right? Yes, keep sir. Keep fostering. So, so what about fostering have you loved enough that helps you push through the things that cost you? So just kind of like Frank said, you know, it's, 
it's caused us a comfort, a heartache, but at the end of the day, um, we really just, you know, we feel like obviously we've been called to it and God's um, just given us that this opportunity, we have this opportunity to bring these broken children and just, <laughs> sorry, and just to love on them. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, even though it, it, it's hard, we get to see what we've poured into them and they've just blessed us more than they than we've blessed them and we just get to um not only pour into these their the, these little babies and kids but we get to pour into their families we um get to just bring the gospel i feel like it's been a pa platform for us to bring these families that maybe don't know christ um and uh, just share the gospel with them and just uh so yeah yeah <clears throat> All right, one more. If someone's out here and they're listening to us talk about this, this whole thing and they're like, oh, I, I never thought of that until just now, uh, and maybe God's going to prompt them to go further, what, what would you say to someone who's considering becoming a foster parent? What were the so, advice um, for me, for, for actually for us, uh, I was the one that was putting the brakes on it. Uh, he really uh, was on board way before I was, and so God had to like work in my heart um, but I would say if you've had that just that that just burden, you just feel like God's really calling you, which I knew he was calling us. Um, I would just say, obviously, first of all, just really pray about it. Mm -hmm. But also just take that leap of faith because it's going to be so worth it. I mean, in the end, if you, I mean, and he's going to provide, you know, because I had all these questions. I had all these worries like, you know, what ifs and, you know, the, the ultimate question that we always get, how, I don't know how you do it. And honestly, it's, it's all God. I, 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 every time somebody, we get approached and somebody asks, how do you do it? You know, I point it back to God and just say, you know, it's all him. So I just encourage you to just take that leap of faith and, um, and just trust God and what he's calling you to do. Cause obviously not everybody is, is called to take, um, take these kids in. Do you want to add anything, Frank? Sure. Sure. <laughs> Touch Mike. Earlier this year, a uh, quick little story. Earlier this year, we had uh, some plumbing issues in our home, so we had to call a, a plumber, and it just eventually happened to have fall during a holiday uh, weekend. So on, not on top of fixing our problem, he had to charge us emergency services uh, because we couldn't keep the kids if we don't have running water. Right. So um, he came in, and it was a Saturday, so while he was working in, in our kitchen, the there was an opportunity where uh, guardian at Lightham came in and the case manager came in and so he's just kind of looking and because they were playing and they were asking Rachel a lot of questions they were asking me some questions and so he just asked a question he said you know what's all that about so opportunity for us um, number one he stopped working I was hoping they charged me by the hour because uh, <laughs> two hours later uh, we had he had just stopped working and we, it was an opportunity for us just to mm. share why we do it and mm. kind of share the gospel right mm. there in our mm. kitchen. And so, like, you'll make me cry now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. So, you know, there's this plumber in tears. I'm in tears. And it's just an opportunity for us to say, you know, God took us in, and that's why we do it. So, that's it. That's pretty cool. Well... Actually, <laughs> that's not it. I meant to say when, because I was crying, so I had to want to stop it there. Um, if you have an inclination or if you have a desire, do what he did. Um, and at the end of it, this, you know, it, what it boils down to is he didn't charge us. Mm -hmm. 
for the services that he had. But that's not the story. The story is he just said, take that money for these foster kids. Mm -hmm. I, we don't feel like my mm -hmm. family and I, we can do foster care right now, but I want to do something. Mm -hmm. So God just poured into that, poured into him, poured into us. And, you know, just take that step, click that link, ask a question, make that text, and you'll see what God can do. Amen. Amen. Thank you, you guys. Can you give it up for the Montoyas. Thank them. So uh, if you foster a child, free plumbing. That's the bottom line. <laughs> Isn't it great to see what God does? We just step out in faith, and God works, uh, you know, in our midst. And uh, so thank you for that. Uh, she's going to be mad, but it's Rachel's birthday today. She did this on her birthday, so thanks for doing that, Rachel. Uh, yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Last thing is this, fostering a child brings glory to God. Lots of things bring glory to God. It's not just fostering. We don't elevate one over the other. But you, you need to understand that a lot of the things that we just do that seem like, you know, uh, maybe unspiritual things because they're not tied to the church, they don't have ministry in front of or after their names, there, there's all kinds of things that you, I, you and I do in our regular daily lives that are glorifying to God. And certainly... Uh, fostering or supporting foster families or being an encouragement to those who are, who are, you know, like this plumber was, who just says, hey, man, I can't foster, but, you know, here's some free plumbing. Just doing whatever you can so that those who are without can have, so that those who are, uh, you know, in crisis can have peace, so that, that it's all a part of God's grand scheme to meet the needs of those that he has created. And so you got to understand that, that fostering a child is, is a glory bringer. It brings glory to God. Especially when we get to do it as Christians and we get to, you know, put God in the equation. I mean, th think about it. These little kids come to your house if you're a foster parent and they've never heard about Jesus or God. I mean, <laughs> you, you get to pray with them night one. You get, you get to introduce Jesus to someone who may no, in, in no other way uh, run into him. Uh, and, and I believe that God even uh, orchestrates those kinds of appointments between us as Christians and those that we might foster. So um, we have lots of opportunities today as we close uh, for you to get involved on all different levels, okay? The first one's this. If, if you think that God might be leading you to be a foster parent, and even us talking about it today has kind of affirmed something that you've always sensed, or maybe it's just awakened something in you that you didn't know was there, we've actually had a, a foster care organization join us this morning. It's the West Florida uh, fostering, I want to make sure I say it right, foster care, uh, that is uh, in our lobby today. And you can go, and like Frank said, you just click on a button and it starts the process. You're not going to be given a child today. There's not like, you know, <laughs> there's not like a room full of kids and they're like, great, here's one. It's not how it works. But, but if you, you want to start the process and just examine and start praying through whether or not your family is meant to care for kids, uh, just do that today. About 10 years ago, Eleanor and I went through all the MAP classes, through all the stuff. Uh, we prepared our house, had all of our visits from uh, different people, and then because of some you know, mix-ups and agencies and things like that, we never got placed. We, we got our, we call her you know, our, our kid. Uh, later in life, uh, Chelsea came to us, and, and we had our experience apart from the, the legal proceedings. But, uh, but that's something that God stirred in us, and, and we you know, went through the process, and painless enough, and uh, and, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're supposed to go through the process as well. Uh, be available. If that's what God's calling to you, be available. Maybe that's not you, but you, you're sitting here and you want to help with this thing however you can. 
So we as a church are going to uh, create some ministries that will help us do that. And to help me talk about that, I'm inviting another foster parent uh, fr- from history. Uh, uh, she adopted three kids out of foster care. Her name's Susan Birdie. Give it up for Susan as she comes to the stage right now. Hi, Susan. Second service, only one more after this. Yeah, she loves being up in front of people. All right, here we go. Uh, Susan, you did. You and, you and Brett mm-hmm. uh, adopted three kids. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. I uh, adopted three. They came in our home when they were four, eight, and nine, and now they're 22, 26, and 27. And um, the youngest just became a nurse, and the oldest just made us grandparents. There you go. So, so there we yay go. God for that. And they are all believers. So all, that's the yep. best part of the whole yep. thing. That is the best And we're part. reaching out to their mother, so amen. it's cool. Amen and amen. Uh, so we, we want to create some teams around here that can come alongside mm-hmm. foster families. Mm-hmm. So they may not foster themselves, but they're going to be a support system for foster families. We're calling them care communities. Right. All right. Uh, hopefully that comes. Yeah, there it is. Care communities. Right. And uh, tell us about wh- right. what that's all about. So I'd love to see some of you become foster parents like them. <laughs> but if you can't, we are forming these. For the last couple of years, I've been connecting people, um, foster families, with volunteers who are more than willing to um, make them meals, babysit, give them date nights, things like that. Well, now it's going to be a lot more organized, and it should, um, it's like a a small group of six to eight people, um, it could be a life group, that uh, just surrounds themselves around one family, one foster family, and whatever needs they have, uh, prayer needs, practical needs, Mm -hmm. Uh, that way there's a relationship built, and it's not so random, and um, our hope is to provide, uh, to get enough people to volunteer to make a a lot of teams we can provide for the families here, and I know last night alone there was some interest in foster, taking foster classes, and somebody who used to be a foster parent but got discouraged heard about this, and May is praying now about doing it again if she knows she has a support team. Mm. So we need people to um, just rally around them. And um, there is a statistic we forgot to say last night. Uh, Statistics show that if uh, foster families don't get support, that within one year, 50% of them quit. And that's not surprising because it requires a lot 24-7. But if you have people who rally around you and just just give you an hour or two a month, that's it. It's not a lot. Then it seems like a lot to the family. Yeah. And if the families um, do get support, it goes down to like 5% drop out. So. Big difference maker. Right. And the go. church, we need the church to do it. Yeah. The church there's is, like, is here for There's like, would you say 5,000 in the county or yeah, something? There's 5,000 foster kids in the so county. So they need to know about the love of that's Jesus. What, that, I'm with you. I think you nailed everything there. Can we give it up for Susan? She did a great job. Thank you, ladies. So let me throw these up here on the screen if you go back to that list. But basically what we're saying, you got the prayer insert. I've already told you about that. Everybody can be praying for foster care and for adoption needs here in our community. Um, you can become a foster uh, parent uh, uh, and, and, and talk with West Florida uh, foster care out there. Uh, you can be part of these community teams. Uh, and, and you can sign up for that outside. Uh, there's a table out there that's just designated for that. If you're just interested, they'll send you more information, become a part of a community team or a care, a care community uh, that will provide for these. Here, two other things, because here's the deal. Maybe that's, you know, that you, you're busy and you've got you know, too much time allocated in other places. You'd, you'd love to do it, but you can't. Here's something that all of us can do, okay? 
because we want to uh, rally around foster families and, and we want to uh, be able to provide them meals and different things like that, we're trying to basically uh, put together some, some funds that will enable that to happen. They will only be stewarded for these foster family initiatives. Uh, but here's what I would ask everybody to do. If you've got 10 bucks in the pocket of your jeans, uh, 10 bucks today, if you could just drop it off at the table out there and say, hey, I want to be a part of uh, loving on foster families, and this is how I'm going to do it, 10 bucks worth. Here you go. If you want to give more, you can totally give more, okay? But if everybody in here would just, you know, forego a couple Starbucks this week and just, uh, you know, put that $10 into this thing, we would love for you to be able to do that. Last thing is this. If you didn't bring 10 bucks uh, or, or, you know, can't do that, that's totally fine. Uh, you can give your words, and like uh, Susan just said, encouragement is amazing. Is encouragement amazing for you? Like if you're in the middle of a hard thing and you know that there's people out there praying for you, that there's people out there who are willing to support you, um, it just makes the hard thing easier. So we set up some tables in the back. If you're a good, uh, you know, you got good cursive or you can write legibly and you're willing to just support families that you don't even know, say, hey, dear foster family, dear foster parent, you don't know me, I don't know you, but I'm praying for all the foster families in our church and our community and I want to tell you that I believe that God has everything that he uh, needs in him to help you do what you're doing. May God bless you. Just a simple note like that that we can give at different times to foster families so that they can be encouraged. Everybody here could give their words. So if you want to do either of those things or any of those things, uh, write a, a, an encouraging note to foster families. Uh, give a $10 gift towards uh, that, that, uh, that uh, fund that will be used to uh, minister to foster families. Join a caring community. Okay? or foster yourself. Every one of us should pray through that prayer list this week, but those are the things we have available for you. Will you stand as we were dismissed this morning? Next week, we'll start a new series in the book of Ephesians. We're calling it Power Up. Can't wait to start walking through the book of Ephesians with you again. But may God lead us to his uh, direction, his, his determinations for us in this area of fostering. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for this chance to gather and just talk about this all-important subject. Thank you for our adoption. Uh, we know that it cost you, uh, your son, and, and, and the anguish of, of uh, his uh, crucifixion. But he rose again, and because he rose again, we can have life through him. Our, our sins have been paid for. If we put faith in him, uh, that's all that's required of us. So help us, God, to know and reflect and rejoice in your adoption of us every day. Uh, as you uh, lead us to the things that we might do in, in uh, being a part of fostering and and perhaps even adopting uh, in this world uh, those that are, you know, without uh, family and in crisis. Uh, God, would you uh, lead each of us to our part to play? May we play it uh, with full hearts, uh, knowing that you're going to be glorified uh, through the efforts uh, of this church as we seek to foster and provide. So um, may you receive the glory you are due from us. May we live in light of your grace to us and uh, follow you in all of our ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said? Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.